There was a time and place that this university feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What did it say? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? <laughs> a little bit of what? A chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. You got no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Spring football cometh and spring football goeth time. Rick Barnes, still Tennessee's basketball coach time. Jeremy Pruitt, still Tennessee's football coach time. Kelly Harper, now the Lady Balls basketball coach time. It is really, really late right now in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the fun crew in the house today. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey. What's up, fellas? A.K.A. the No Ryan crew. It's not that late. Saturday Night Live hasn't even started yet. It's a good point. Recording this, it's about 11.24 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Going to drop this to you on Sunday morning. And why are we podcasting this late on a Saturday evening? Because this Saturday evening, for the first time in a long time, the Tennessee spring football game, the orange and white game, was on a Saturday evening at Neyland Stadium. It has just concluded a few hours ago. We got our interviews done with Jeremy Pruitt and some players, wrote some stories, and now we're going to talk a little football. Fellas, uh, before we get to the game, I do want to say one thing really quickly. A couple things happened on the drive home to Fort Rucker from Tennessee's campus, which is approximately 2.9 miles, I think. And in that time, I crossed or, or two, not one, but two black cats crossed mm-hmm. my path on the drive home. So I'm wondering, is that double bad luck or is that like a double negative that becomes a positive? With you, yeah. With you, it might be. You've had so much luck to this point. It's true, Um, but I'm just curious about that because I could see that going either way. And the second thing was, and this is a true story. I waited because we've been sitting here for a minute getting some stuff ready for the podcast, and I didn't drop this story uh, until we podcasted it because because I want to get y'all's thoughts from this in real time. I want this to be not manufactured. On the drive home, I thought I saw a car that was the make and model of Ramey's behind me. Whoops. Yeah. I like where this is going. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you're driving down the road at a, at a pretty high rate of speed, going down like a main artery or a highway or interstate, and you put on the windshield wiper fluid and it like gets onto the car behind you. Oh, yeah. I probably emptied half of the windshield <laughs> washer fluid that was in my car. Whoops. Thinking that it was just going to get all over Ramey's car because he was driving behind me on the way to the house and that it was going to just get all over him and just be like, hey, hey, remember I did that to you? That was funny. Uh, then I noticed probably about a mile, almost a mile later, that it was not actually Ramey's car. It was someone else who had the make and model of his car, which is a very common Turns out there's a lot of Hondas in the country. A lot of Hondas that are that particular color. And I'm wondering, uh, am I lucky, considering where I live, am I lucky to be alive? What are you saying about the people that you live around? Uh, I live in a somewhat gentrified neighborhood, I think you could call it. And uh, it's an up and coming. It's old North Knoxville. There's a a lot of good stuff going on here. But uh, also some stuff that when you're driving home, not the... uh, not the crowd that's going to the Ritz. Let's put it that way. Because if you go to any, like, you know, downtownish neighborhood. This is about to be problematic. <laughs> you go from one block to the next, and you never know what you're going to see. And I'm wondering. I like to go on record saying I don't condone any of Wes's thoughts. Right I'm now. just wondering. First um, off, that's kind of funny that I thought it was raining. I, too, am anti-Wes Rucker, just in general. <laughs> and I'm wondering, am I lucky right now to, to be alive? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But 
what we do know that is a fact is that Tennessee's spring football game has concluded. The white team, which is the first-team offense and second-team defense, uh, defeated the orange team, which was the second-team uh, – I guess the second-team – what would that be? Second team. So the orange team was the second team offense and the first team defense. Yeah, that's correct. 28-10 to 10 the final. 28-10 to 10 again the final. Uh, Jared Garantano, after a slow start with the first team offense, I think he was 2-4 of four for seven yards in the first quarter. Uh, they connected with uh, Jawan Jennings. Guess what? Who else? On a 31-yard pass on a third and five early in the second or midway through the second quarter. Uh, that really kind of seemed to kickstart the white team. Jared Garantano and the guys got it cooking from that point. Uh, Garantano ends up completing 19 of 37 passes for 198 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Juwan Jennings, the aforementioned dog Jennings, with 57 yards and two touchdowns on five catches. Dominic Wood Anderson and Josh Palmer also collected touchdowns for the white team. For the orange team, not nearly as many highlights. Uh, did not have those guys didn't have what I would call the the best game. Uh, J.T. Shrout did connect with uh, the the Godfather of Soul, James Brown, for a 14 yard touchdown pass with 133 left in the fourth quarter. But other than that, it was a lot of a uh, lot of yeah from uh, from the Orange team offense. Uh, Jeremy Banks led those guys 23 yards on seven carries. Nothing to really write home about there. J.T. Shrout uh, did complete 10 of 19 passes for 119 yards. Uh, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and uh, Brian Maurer in his first action in Neyland Stadium. Uh, good news, completed seven of ten passes for 105 yards. Bad news is two of those three incompletions were, in fact, completions to the other team. Uh, he threw two picks, both of uh, which were corralled by freshman safety Jalen McCullough, who got my vote for the MVP award, but uh, ultimately I was outvoted on that by the rest of the media corps. I'm sure you jackwagons also voted incorrectly and gave it to Jarrett Garantano. I voted for you. West Rucker. I wrote down West Rucker's name on the end. You did ballot. because because it says name and affiliation and then vote and you wrote West Rucker twenty four seven and then West Rucker for the MVP. So, in theory, you voted for yourself. You, you were on the right track there. the The bottom line is what I actually won was the sixty three effort award for the second consecutive year because that 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 award R I P went the way of the dodo when Butch Jones took his his trash can and and all of his cute sayings and his black uh his uh his uh back pocket notebook that he had there and, and took all that to tuscaloosa uh, but when he did that i thought a couple things needed to stay around chiefly the 63 effort award and i gave it to myself for a second consecutive spring so you were close you were on the right track uh, but nonetheless there were actually a few spring awards not as many as usual jared garantano did get the uh, most valuable player award for the orange and white game. The uh, Andy Spiva award for defensive most improved defensive player of spring went to Daniel Batuli, the senior linebacker. Uh, the uh, I believe it's the uh, the Harvey Robinson award for most improved offensive player went to junior wide receiver Josh Palmer, who did catch a touchdown pass in the orange and white game. Also had a a bit of a knee injury down there toward the toward the end of the game, but looks to be okay. Guys, what do we think? We're going to break down the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that from the game, but but general thoughts on the the orange and white game. Um, <clears throat> I, I didn't think it was, like, super exciting. I thought the defenses were sort of um, – thank you for your, yeah. <laughs> your reaction. Uh, I mean, but you see some of these spring games where these quarterbacks go out and throw for 350 yards, and I – I, I, that obviously we, we've, you know, we've heard some stuff from other scrimmages that were uh, the offense had much better days. And I think they did today. Uh, I think the defenses were maybe a little bit better today. Um, Even though they were a little bit vanilla today, if we're yeah, honest. Um, and I, I still think uh, questions about the offensive line. I, I think that's, that's something that I, I didn't think we were going to leave the spring game saying, wow, this offensive line's, They've turned the corner. They're going to be really good. But uh, I thought that I don't know if they just didn't play great today. But I think I think the first team offense gave up five sacks, and this is in a spring game where, like you said, defenses are vanilla. So yeah, there were some good and some bad there. No no penalties from the first team offensive line, which was good. No procedure issues, stuff like no that. No turnovers for the offense. No turnovers. But really, no no backs put balls on the ground. But really, um, other than the two two minute drives and the way Tennessee sets up their spring game is. Uh, every the entire half is is uh, running clock, right? Yes. Until the last four minutes, and then they turn the four minute the last four minutes of each half into sort yeah, of two minutes. The only the only thing where it stops is it stops on probably I think like touchdowns and stuff like that and like, TV timeouts. Yeah. Other, um, other so, than that, no no stoppage of the clock. And so really, until they went into that mode right before the halftime, the first team offense I think had like three first downs in their first three possessions. Yeah. So um, 
sluggish start. Garantano missed some throws. It's funny to hear Jeremy Pruitt talk about the bad throws because he's always like, we threw the ball out of bounds, and you can't catch the ball and it's out of bounds. It's like, it's just, it's super of all the blunt. coaching points to make, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard that one. Like, you got to keep the ball in play to catch the ball. And it's like, and it's like which said is after, factually accurate. It's like something he said after when he was lamenting some of their snap issues a few weeks ago. He was like, "Can't can't play good football on offense if you can't get the ball from the center of the quarterback." Just real, just real honest. He does have a way of getting opinions. He has he has a um, way of getting right to the point. But the, you know, the first team offense really didn't do anything until those two minute drives when. Um, and you asked Jared Garantano about this, Wes, when he hit Juwan Jennings kind of sort of down the middle on a post seam, whatever it was, yep. for a big game. That sort of jump-started them a little bit. He got a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, but two of their other drives were after McCullough's interceptions where I think they had to go, I mean, one well, of them was, one was inside a, the 10. Yeah, one was a seven-yard, one-play seven-yard drive. The other one was on the 30, and they had to score on a fourth down. That was the only reason they scored that touchdown is because uh, the first-team defense elected to just completely not cover Juwan Jennings and let them – Wide open. Yeah, I, I, I think West could have scored that touchdown. I, I'm not a defensive coordinator. Hey, I had seven touchdown catches uh, in my senior season of intramural football at the University of Tennessee. By the way, so you watch your mouth Congrats. over there, Harry High School over here. But yeah, the uh, bottom line, anyone could have caught that. That was uh, of all the things that you could do on defense on fourth and goal from the nine yard line. Uh, the very first one I probably wouldn't do if I were playing Tennessee is to leave Jawan Jennings with no one within like 10 yards of him. That would probably be something that might be number one on my list of things not to do. Actually, it probably would be don't have 12 guys on the field is one. And, and then don't, two, don't, don't have 13. Juwan Jennings open. And, and that's true. The four, the four, five, four defense is uh, still the best and, ever. And, and don't be like Mark Will Osborne and throw and try to lateral late an interception return late in the, in a game you're winning. Yeah. Uh, that's not why he left, by the way, let's just throw that out there. Yeah. That was not that, that um, neither here nor there. That the, was not the reason. The big though. takeaway for me is that if they can get sort of the, the adding on point to the offensive line, if they can get adequate offensive line play, uh, this offense could be pretty good. They could go from being kind of bad to like really good. They can make a big jump because, um, I think they've got the skill position talent. They've got the receivers. They've got guys that can go make plays. Palmer Jennings, Callaway, uh, Dominic Wood Anderson is going to be a really good target in the red zone. Hey, and, and Bird made a couple of nice and, plays today, too. And, 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 and Garantano talked about this, too, and we saw it in some of that two-minute drive. Uh, they're going to do this a lot this season where they spread the field, four wide receivers. Those wide receivers run down the field, and they leave Ty Chandler, Tim Jordan, Eric Gray when he gets back, whoever it is, and they're going to go run an option route with a linebacker on you. Yep. And Garantano is going to be, I'll take my chances. And they can tell you they're running that. And as a defense, there's still nothing it, you can do about it. Because if you don't cover it, one of those yeah, verts, you're in trouble. It, and it's, it's it's simple, but that's just, it's getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And they've got some of these running backs. Tim Jordan needs to work on his hands a little bit. He had a couple drops today. Not the most natural um, thing he does. Chandler is a, is a natural pass catcher. We've heard the same thing about Eric Gray, uh, even though we didn't get to see him today. So uh, they've got some pieces at the skill positions that make you think, this offense can be pretty good, but if they're in third and eight and third and ten a lot because they can't run the ball or they're giving up sacks and negative plays because they can't block up front, then it's not going to matter, and they're going to have to resort to what we saw last year where they're having to just chuck the ball down the field, hope, you know, hope, even hope. Yeah, and here, here's, here's one of my big takeaways from, from the game is that one of the big storylines we heard throughout the, the spring was that the offensive line still had a long way to go, but was making progress, but was taking steps forward. Had some good days and some bad days, but but probably a few more good days than bad days. Then they go out there and they play in the spring game. And again, no Brandon Kennedy at center, but he hadn't been out there every day this spring anyway. And you had a situation where, again, Jared Garantano had too much pressure on him at times. Uh, It was good that they didn't have any – False start penalties, I guess, you know, Drew Richmond being gone probably took away a lot of the uh, a lot of the false start and lining up in the wrong place in the line penalties. It's just rude. It's just actually a fact when you look at the numbers from last year. How anti-Memphis can you be? I'm not anti-Memphis at all. I love Memphis. Mm-hmm. I have a sibling there right now. Do you? That doesn't mean you love. That has nothing to do with <laughs> loving the city of Memphis. It means my family has more claim than yours right now, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. What is... Important though is that we heard so many times this spring that the offensive line was taking steps forward, but there were still some bad days here and there. So was the orange and white game just a bad day, or was it another sign that when the lights come on, this line just still 
needs to get better because I thought there could have been more room to run, and I thought that their pass protection could have been a little bit better. And again, let's be honest, the spring game is a vanilla offense and a vanilla defense. So what you're getting is one-on-one who can make a play. And a lot of times up front, the offensive line, again, was not making plays. Is that a concern? No, I mean, I don't think so. It's it's the spring. You you know what you have at the offensive line. You got a lot of young guys. I, there was a graphic flash at some point in the broadcast where they listed five potential starters for the offensive line. And among the group, there were 20 career starts, and 19 of them were from Trey Smith, who is in the situation that he's in right now. Correct. I think maybe the other one was, I guess, Brandon Kennedy, counting the one start he had last year before the injury in terms of, I guess, a Tennessee career start. And then it was zeros uh, down the line. But when when Pruitt talked to, I think uh, they left some guys off there. When Pruitt talked about, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Johnson and some others have had a bunch of starts. Regardless, when when Pruitt talked, I mean, he didn't sound overly concerned, disappointed. Uh, it was kind of more like it is what it is, and it's a work in progress. And uh, hopefully, and he, and he mentioned that regardless of what you look like in the spring game on the offensive line, there's so much you can do on the off season by yourself. Uh, on the practice field, working on dummies, doing your own thing. Hadn't heard a coach say that before either, right, interestingly. Right, So that I mean, that's an interesting point. Because you don't think of offensive line as a place where you can do that. Right, and and, and if they can do that, uh, that helps. Obviously, they're going to have to do that because they got a lot of ground to make up between now and uh, fall camp in August. I would suggest putting on shoulder pads before banging the, uh, on that sled all day long. That would probably leave a mark. But but still, I just the reason I'm asking that is because we heard – so many things this spring about the offensive line taking steps forward. And, and we did see some steps forward. Uh, again, no procedure penalties. I didn't see any holding from the first-team offensive line. Of course, interestingly enough, I was perusing through the photo gallery, and I think I saw a few holds in there that probably were not – that we got pretty good pictures of uh, that were not Wait, called during the are you complaining about the refs again? No, I'm just – I'm making a point in the normal flow of okay, conversation here we go. that <laughs> I thought there may have been – it's a spring game, probably some missed holds in there. It is what it is. There's always holds. But you know what they say that you, they they say that you could call holding on every play. You could, and on a couple of those pictures, you really could have called holding. But I, I just my, my concern is that with everything being vanilla, that should probably more often than not maybe help the offense because so much of what the you know the offense does is is you know based on the defense throwing things at them that they don't expect or blitzes from places that they've never seen before adjust you know tweaks in a game plan because when you go out there and practice a lot of times and it's just guys go out there and try to make plays the offense is going to make a lot of big plays and they did make some big plays today but in general I just personally I kind of was hoping for to see a little bit more from the offensive line than I saw during this game yeah and you got to keep in mind that it wasn't a full group. Um, we'll have to see what Darnell Wright looks like. Brandon Kennedy didn't play. He might look like the first-team right tackle. Um, I actually thought Nathan Niehaus would be the first-team right tackle. It was Marcus Tatum. I was a little surprised by that, some of the things we've heard about Niehaus. Niehaus, but I wonder, Niehaus at the number two left tackle. But I wonder if they had him at left tackle just because they needed a backup left tackle or a number two left tackle. They need somebody to play there in the game. Uh, yeah, so um, you, know, you put Kennedy at center. Uh, they like what Kron Calvert has done this this spring. I think he's maybe one of the storylines, a guy that hasn't yep. done a whole lot that fans don't really know anything about because he hasn't really played a whole lot because uh, he's been hurt. But he is a um, big talent, the kid. He is a six five, three hundred thirty pound road grader, SEC looking guard, and yep. so um, you get a, an experienced guy like Brandon Kennedy back in the middle. Now he has to stay healthy first of all. Um, you got Jameer Johnson left guard. I think he can be a good player, and 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 you know Wanya Morris. He's had some good moments this spring. I, I don't know. I think DeAndre Johnson got him a couple times. He did, in, but he, he, in the spring game, he also had one play that I was that was really impressive to me. Theo Jackson was doing a delayed blitz from from safety, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was Wanye Morris's responsibility on that play. But he kind of had delayed his blitz, and he was kind of squirting through between the guard and the tackle. And Wanye Morris, at the very last minute, saw him out of the right. You know, just on his peripheral vision there. And he kind of stuck an arm out there and got in the way, and he delayed him just for half a second. But that allowed Garantano to get out of the pocket and not get, you know, sacked. And and uh, little things like that show me that his instincts are are pretty good at times. And if you're a tackle, you're going to get beaten sometimes. I mean, the SEC edge rushers are, are some of the best freaks in college football. They're going to get you sometimes. But if you have good instincts, if you're a tough kid, uh, you got a chance because there's a chance that that Tennessee goes into this season with true freshmen, not just at left tackle, but also at right tackle. And if that's the situation, 
then you're going to have to expect some mistakes. But we haven't seen anything from Darnell Wright yet, but from Wanya Morris this spring, him going into that spring, let's face it, he still should be a senior in high school, and he was the first-team left tackle in an orange and white but, game, and he did okay. And I think he's, I think he's going to be good. Um, yeah. I would be... I would even say I think he'll start at left tackle day one at this point. I'll, I'll even go that far. That's a pretty safe bet, I think. Um, just, I just think the makeup of their, of their offensive line is best with him there. Yeah, and you got to – when you do that, you're going to have to live with some of the good and some of the bad. So, um, But the fact that he's here, that's good for him. We also have to point out that a couple of these blitzes or a couple of these sacks came on blitzes. Uh, two of the sacks. Uh, and yeah, I think, they were vanilla, but they did I think blitz. one of them late might have been on Brian uh, when Maurer was in there, when he – change teams in the middle of the game yeah um he wanted to go to the winning side <laughs> i wonder because they because they have i think there's a, a meal at stake here uh i think the winning team got steak and lobster yeah. i think mm-hmm. so what does mauer do because he was technically on the other side but he did get like one or two drives at the end i think the tiebreaker is you have to go to where you spent the most time and like unless you make the winning play if you make the game winning play then i think you get to go um, to the other side and so uh the, yeah a couple times where you know they didn't pick up a blitz you know, and Garen Thomas sort of said, sort of said that was sort of my fault at the end of the, after the game, which was a bugaboo a little bit last year with him was not picking up some blitzes and things. Yeah, like that. And, and he's got a that's something that he's got to do when we talk. You know, we talked a lot about him needing to advance in the sort of the mental aspect of the game. We know he's got all the physical talent; oh, he can gosh, make yeah. all the throws. Gosh, yes, um, he can put the ball anywhere, but he needs to get more of a sense and a better feel for the game. Um, and, and understand how defenses are going to come at him and where they might come at him. And he needs to sort of uh, adjust. And they had, uh, I think there was one play tonight too. I think they were going to run a trick play to, where they were going to do a double pass. And he actually went forward. Um, and he threw a quick pass because um, they had a free guy off the edge. And yeah. so that, the, those are the things. And he kind of talked about that too with, with the receivers. And, and some of the got to keep in mind with these receivers is he's thrown with all these guys for three to four years now. So they should have a pretty good chemistry. Yes. They should be on the same page quite a bit. And so um, that should be a, a situation where if, if the guy lining up across from Marquez Callaway is blitzing, then they need to you know catch the ball and throw it to him because yeah. it's going to be open. So uh, that, that's an area where we can see Garantano. There was a couple, I think one of the sacks too tonight, he held the ball too long. Um, and so there's, there's some things that he, he can do better to help himself. And, and Jeremy Pruitt talked about this last year, too. So uh, as much as the offensive line needs to improve, Garantano needs to do some things that uh, can help him help himself. Yeah, and, and I thought that, again, that it's easy sometimes, and we all do it, to pick out some of the things, okay, he's got to work on this, got to work on that. I will say, though, that on that touchdown play to Wood Anderson, that was a really, really good RPO read from Garantano, and he struggled a little bit in that area last year. On that play, he immediately knew that when he looked at the coverage, he made the quick read. He didn't give the ball to the back. He pulled it, and then he threw the ball to Wood Anderson for a touchdown. That was a nice play. I also thought he didn't throw any passes today that could have been intercepted unless they were tipped. Uh, I didn't think he threw balls into dangerous areas, uh, and, and I still think that – his accuracy down the sideline still sometimes, I think it was windy a little bit, so maybe that played into it. Uh, I think he's better over the middle than he is down the sideline with accuracy, but he did throw a beautiful pass down the sideline to Callaway perfectly in stride. And it's not easy when a guy is behind the cornerback by five yards, you know, your instinct sometimes is you want to make sure you don't overthrow him. So you want to put it on him or, or put it a little bit almost behind him. Uh, but he put that one perfectly right in stride. Couldn't have handed to him any better. The throw out to Jennings on that third and five over the middle that got him started, that was right in the bread basket. Perfect throw. He also made a throw down the sideline to Palmer that was put in a pretty good spot uh, that probably should have been caught. Uh, I don't know if it was like a gimme catch, but it was a beautiful ball down the down the right sideline, I think, that Palmer probably should have got. So you you see... And Jim Chaney's done this before. He's kind of a quarterback whisperer, and I guess we should give credit to Winky too because he's the quarterback's coach now. Um, but Chaney's the offensive coordinator, and I think you can see how some of these things are already helping Garantano. Some of his RPO reads I thought were a little bit better. Uh, some of his accuracy down the sideline was a little bit better. I thought his decision-making overall was a little bit better. He still needs to diagnose things, I think, maybe a little bit better at the line, and I still think he probably – if we're being honest, needs to just have a faster clock. And after a full season of starting, he probably 
should have fewer of those mistakes, but it happened a couple times today. Uh, on a couple of them, though, they were just guys just ran by people, and that's that's going to happen. But uh, I'm interested to see what y'all thought about some of the good things he did too, because I, I think that we still see that that he's incomplete in terms of what he could be with all of his ability. But I do think you're seeing a guy who's pretty comfortable and he's not rattled. And I think he's doing, I think he had a pretty good spring from everything. When we were out there in practice, he was usually the most accurate of the three quarterbacks. And I think he had a pretty good day today. Decent. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's another guy. Maybe I'm just thinking about Pruitt was not very happy after last year's orange and white game. He was mad. It was a pretty disastrous spring based on personnel. Oh, he was, he was, he was like uh full-on like yeah. redneck mad and, and we didn't even talk to players uh after that one and and a lot of the kind of he gets answer or he gets questioned kind of you know across the board a lot of different players a lot of different position groups he seemed relatively pleased with a lot of the guys he was talking about and that included garantano he said basically just working on consistency and and to, yeah. to garantano's credit he's had zero consistency in his time at Tennessee, in terms of who's his offensive coordinator been, who's his head coach four been, four years. who's his quarterback's coach been. Um, so, yeah, uh, and that's what – I think that's what Pruitt mentioned too, that, that Jim Chaney's a good teacher uh, and that Chris Winkie's done a good job with Jarrett since the time he uh, moved over to quarterback. So, I mean, that's another situation where you're doing the best you can with a player that's had a lot of coaches in four years and uh, seems – pretty happy with where he is another thing interesting thing that i thought period said was he was talking about the quarterback position saying that hey you know a lot of people like to just if, if things go wrong they point immediately to the quarterback and i think a lot of people did that last year with garantano that's why he's yep. i don't want to say polarizing but i feel like i've said it a hundred times if you ask 50 different people what they think of garantano you'll get 50 different answers that's absolutely correct because he's he, he, some people even i think maybe because the georgia tech game that's still I, I for whatever reason that's yeah, seared into people's memory and, and some people you know say well you know he's the quarterback when tennessee's been losing a lot lately it's not all it's not all on him no. it's easy to point to him because that's he's one of you know maybe the one of the figures in the forefront and because but, he was supposed to be such a big time prospect, yeah, and, and, and Pruitt you know, I mean, said that you know when you're playing quarterback you need help of the guys around you you need the other parts of the offense to, to help you play better. Um, you know, you need the wide receivers to get open and catch the ball when they have chances. You need uh, the offensive line to keep you ahead of schedule when you run the ball and, uh, and protect you when you throw it. And he, he also, and Pruitt also said that, you know, the quarterback is responsible for sort of uh, elevating the play of everybody else around him too. Yep. And I don't know that he thinks that, I don't know that he's seen that from Garantano the way that he may want. No, because we've seen that, though. When Garantano has made some big seemed, plays before, he's got some pizzazz. He's got some swag in him. I mean, he, he gets guys going. I also going. don't think that he's – they've got other guys on offense that do that more, Yeah, one and, of them being Jawan Jennings. And, and I think just as importantly, it's one thing when you make a big play and you get everybody going. If you're going to be the leader, you, you've got to be the guy who, when things are not going well, you know, you're kind of putting all your thoughts – you know, you're internalizing and compartmentalizing it, those, and then you're projecting confidence. You go in, you go into the huddle, or you go up to the sideline. You kind of you get your guys going. You rally your guys. We need to see that even, stuff from even, him. Even beyond that, though, you have to go out, and sometimes you have to make a play. You have to make something happen. And we saw that a lot. Josh Dobbs is a great example. When Tennessee needed something, how many plays did he bail Tennessee out on? His entire his final two years, he, <laughs> I mean, he made a yeah, living he, doing it. I mean, he made Butch Jones look like a competent coach. Uh, and so no small task you need you know you want to see more of that from garantano um and we saw it some last year in the auburn game we got to remember this guy has that win on his resume we've seen him do it and kentucky beat two ranked teams last year you know we've seen him and kentucky had a good defense last year yeah and he made a couple plays at the end of the first half where he was really smart plays and he made those plays he he kind of got them uh into the situation where he i think there were two plays right he could have run the ball on the second to last play yeah, pulled up at the line of scrimmage, made a play, got a got got you know got Callaway out of bounds, and then did a good job of stepping up to throw the hail mary at the end. So we've seen it before. It's just like Grant touched on. You gotta you gotta see it more consistently, and I think that's sort of what the coaching staff has seen from a lot of guys on this team. It's been up and down. Some days the defense is good, sometimes the offense is good, and so uh, for a guy like Pruitt who's seen Alabama, which is a machine, they're good. They do they have bad days down there. I mean, I guess they had a bad day in January and Clemson. They have bad days and win. Pretty by, good, they but, have bad days and win by thirty. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, their bad days are <laughs> much better compared to everybody else's. I mean, it's, point being, he's been around a, a program where consistency is not necessarily 
uh, more than just something. Yeah, something that's that you it's know it's point. nitpicked on when the, the the inconsistency Alabama has is when oh they might start playing bad when they're up by thirty five points and then Saban is <laughs> yeah. just furious. Yeah, it's like you're up thirty five points. My fourth teamer suck. I think your quarterback <laughs> needs to make everybody better, like Pruitt said. But he also said in this league you got to be able to run the ball, and it's hard to imagine at this point they're going to be running a ton successfully. And I don't know that they need to be a run-first offense. And Dobbs was insanely – I agree agree with that. Dobbs was insanely talented, but the great equalizer is what a quarterback can do with his legs. And Dobbs excelled in that like few quarterbacks do. And that helps you overcome a bad line. Right, and that's not what Jarrett wants to do. Uh, or you know, the the image I'll always have in my head of him running is diving for the sideline against Florida. Yes. From like eight yards away. Yes. Doing like the Superman dive to get out of bounds. But I mean, at the same time, he's got to make everybody better, but he's also got to have a competent line. Uh, Butch Jones left the personnel of this roster and the talent in the absolute, you know, the bottom of the barrel. But when Dobbs was here doing what he was doing, he did have a Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara and a Josh Malone and a decent offensive line. He had some weapons that he made better. He made an excellent point just in that actually I promise you I was going to make. Grant Grant is a known component of the running quarterback, though. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> Pat I White till I die. <laughs> if, you, if you... Let's get that out of the way. We, you, need to, we need to put our biases out there. You have the ability to beat people with your legs as a quarterback. That is 100% the ultimate equalizer. And that... Because you don't have... That's like a, you but need you a don't 12th need, defender. But running a running quarterback doesn't mean you have to be Josh Dobbs. No. No, but doesn't. I mean... But but see, that that's the problem is that... Is that, is that when you get rated as a dual-threat quarterback, which Garantano was fairly rated as that, I think, coming out of high school. He did some <laughs> of that stuff. But, but people think that a dual-threat quarterback means that you run... A, as well as a wide receiver, which it doesn't it doesn't really mean. Dobbs was, I think, classified as a pro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, too. I mean, guys like guys like Jeff Garcia back in the day were probably dual threat quarterbacks. They weren't the fastest guys on the field, but they they were a dual threat. They could beat you a little bit with their legs, running around, doing some things. So I, I think that when you when you can run as a quarterback, that allows you to fake it until you make it, until you learn how to do the other things. You know, you can you can turn and burn out of the pocket and make 20 yards out of nothing because you have some of those abilities. That's not what Garantano... I think even if Garantano's knee stays healthy this season and he's not able to have those kind of knee and, and, and neck issues he had last year, he's a decent athlete, but you saw it. Even in that game, you saw when Brian Maurer had to scramble... He looks better as a runner than Garantano does a lot so of times. So Wes just said that he thinks Brian Maurer should be Tennessee's starting quarterback. That's 100% That's what I not, heard. It's 100% not <laughs> what, what I, I said. I'm just saying that just because you have that tag doesn't mean that you run like a wide receiver. And, and I think that people have gotten that mis- – there's been that misconception about Garantano from the beginning. and it, it's Fake not, news, if you will. A little bit. And, and it's not really helped him – people understand kind of who he is as a player – but I do think and, that and he doesn't need to be playing in an offense where he has to run the zone read. No, but I think let you that hit, guy throw the ball because that's what he does best. You hit a really good point there, Patrick. Is that when you look at Tennessee's roster? Sweet, it's pretty obvious when you look at this roster and you look at okay, not a lot of huge offensive linemen, not a lot of two hundred and thirty, two hundred thirty-five pound running backs. But how whole, many how many of those running backs do you see anymore though? A few, like Alabama's half of them. Yeah, but those guys big. are. Freaks. Georgia's guys can sometimes are that big. But, I mean, what I'm saying is when you see that offense and then you, you, you see the fact that they don't have a lot of huge running backs, they don't have a lot of big road grading offensive linemen yet, but what they do have is a quarterback who can spin it a little bit, and you've got a whole bunch of upperclassmen wide receivers who are really good college football players, I think. I think they are really good wide receivers. They're big, they're strong, they're physical. They almost look like a group of tight ends out there as they, much as anything. Um, there's it, three of them, first of all. It's, it's not, they don't, they're not, there's not like eight of them. It's Callaway, Jennings, and Palmer. The rest of that group is, mm, I don't I don't. They're okay. It. Brandon Johnson was banged up today. I don't think you got to see a lot The rest out of, of that him. group is Todd Chandler out of the backfield. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, Bird, middle, yeah. Tyler Bird made a couple of nice plays in that game today. He made a really tough catch down the sideline early in the game. He, he's a guy who can do some things. I think Jordan Murphy is a guy we've seen who can do some things. He was mysteriously quiet in that game today. Uh, he was. I think if he had been with the first team offense, but he was with the second team. Yeah, if he had been with the first team offense, second team though, that begs the question. Does beg the question, but why was Nathan Niehaus with the second team? I mean, sometimes you just gotta maybe maybe you want to put a playmaker. Even though even with Murphy being on the second team, 
Jacquez Jones had a better day. Cedric Tillman had a big it's catch. It's a fair point, but I, I still think my, 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 my general point there is that with the group that they have right now, when you said this probably doesn't need to be a run-first offense, it probably doesn't. This group might have to throw it to run it. And if they run a lot of that four-wide stuff and run some four-verts and then let Ty Chandler make some plays out of the backfield – have him kind of in a Camara role where he does a bunch of different things. I think that that but gets a lot of touches. Yeah, because I actually yeah, gets used. Actually gets used like the way the Saints use him. You know the, <laughs> the uh, way smart people use him. Not the way he was used at the college level. But I think we've seen this with Jim Chaney throughout his career. He's not been bullheaded about you know fitting guys to a system. He kind of fits a system around the the guys that he has. And I think with the group that he has here, I think they're going to throw it a good bit. And I think they're going to try to get the ball in space to guys. And I think they're going to throw a lot of balls downfield, 50-50 balls, because let's be honest, if Juwan Jennings is healthy, that's not a 50-50 ball. That's probably a a 75-25 ball if you throw the ball in the air to Juwan Jennings, you know, deep down the field and up in the air. He's probably going to go either catch the ball or knock knock it down. He's not going to, that's not going to turn out badly for you. Uh, Callaway's got some of those those same skills. Palmer, uh, still not quite as consistent as you want him to be, but probably has the most NFL upside of any of them. So you see what they could be on offense. And and I think, like Pat said, I don't think this is going to be a, I don't think this is going to be a a run the ball 40 times a game kind of offense, guys. I just, with what they have available, I've been wrong before. Made a career out of being wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong about this. I don't think they're going to be running the ball 40 times a game. No, and they shouldn't because that's not their strength. Um, and that's why a lot of people got frustrated last year with Tyson Elton because they would run the ball so much on first down. So uh, the, another takeaway for me tonight was that uh, the depth on this team is not razor thin, but it's it's pretty close razor thin. It's it's a little thicker than it was last season, but that's because it couldn't get much thinner. You, you look at the second team offense; they scored one touchdown. Yeah, and or you could say and a lot more, of that and a lot of that's down to the to the maybe know, there's more depth on defense. The two young quarterbacks. Well, it was one guy make it was two guys making plays on the defense. Um, yeah, it was uh, Jalen McCullough, who we talked about. I think, I think a lot of people think he's going to be a nice player. Tank. Tank McCullough, if you will, who who did on his returns after he caught we, the ball, we, he have, looked have like we decided a that he's going to be Tank McCullough? Have we decided? I think that's he decided what, that. That's what's been his nickname for a while. Um, and then the other guy that was making plays for the second team, I think, I think Sean Schamberger had like three pass breakups. Yeah, he got uh, he got burned and, a couple and, times earlier, but then and, he bounced and back. He's, yeah, and he's a guy that played a lot for him last year, so he, he's only with the second team because he sort of plays a similar position to uh, Thompson and Taylor, Alante Thompson, Bryce Taylor. Or Alante Taylor, Bryce Thompson. See, I mixed them up. Like I, and, did, with the, Alante, like I did with the tight ends for the and past Alante two years. Alante Taylor, um, I, 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 he seems to get more attention than Bryce Thompson. I think Bryce Thompson is a better player than Alante Taylor. I think Bryce Thompson's better uh, than a lot of quarterbacks. Because, <laughs> because that kid has another gear. You you look at it and they're like, yeah, they seem to be picking on Taylor a little bit. Um, but nobody's throwing at Bryce Thompson. You don't see the, you don't see a lot I of teams still picking on if him. Taylor would be better like as a as a kind of a slot corner or nickel than he would be out wide because when they ask him to do what they want him to do out wide I don't know I think he's kind of a kind of a jack of all trades guy put him in the middle of the field but they might but, have to put him at corner because well, it, they don't it, have anybody it, else to put there so it, if you can and Thompson both stay healthy then they can play the wide and, corner and those spots. guys those guys have a tough job because they're going to get left on islands and they're going to be playing oh some yeah good in this defense um, yes and we saw with Taylor tonight he gets you know he had really good coverage on the first touchdown to Josh Palmer in the back of the end zone. That was a great. That was a pretty good play by Paul, by Palmer there. I thought he had a good. And then on on, on the Jennings fade too. to Jennings, he was he was in the in, in that position too. And then, and after that, he came up with a he he got a he, he knocked a ball away. That's not, sort of the. Yeah, it's not like he was five yards uh, behind yeah. the guy. And so that's and we saw that a lot last year. Uh, and I think that was some of Pruitt's frustration is that a lot of times they would have defenders in position to make plays, and because either guys are inexperienced or they don't have the athletic ability or the talent. Or Warrior just doesn't they have the ball skills, apparently. They don't, or doesn't yeah, have the hands. Or, drop, or you drop a pass. And so, um, and, and that's the way they're going to play. And Pruitt kind of mentioned that after the game. You know, the way they play, they're going to be in positions where they're going to be facing a lot of sort of 50-50 balls. And they're going to have to, you know, Taylor and Thompson, uh, Balen Buchanan, when he, he's healthy, he didn't really play today. Um, those guys are going to have to win those one-on-one matchups. So, yeah. um, but 
I just the offensive line, second team offensive line didn't do a whole lot, didn't get a lot of push up front. Um I think the second D defense maybe cheated a little bit by having Will Ignat out there. And Cor- yeah, and Corvax Crouch made you know, when, couple, when you when you've got a quarterback, plays. when you've got a, a, an inside linebacker in a limited contact jersey, I mean that's like the the inside linebacker is going to get his hand on the guy on almost every play, and if he's down when he touches him, that that seems kind of like meh. And, and I think didn't bother some Tim people Jordan, though, when probably he, or Banks when he ran over him. Some people were probably probably wondering why Ignant was with the twos. Um, I think they're probably trying to groom him to be the next Mike yeah. uh, behind Daniel Batuli. Yeah. Darren Kirkland situation, we haven't really talked about it. Uh, Pruitt went on the radio this past week and basically s- suggested that there's a chance Kirkland might not play next season yep. or this season because of his, his knee issues. He's seeing Dr. James Andrews. Um, and then, then it'd be go to the draft or retro, Yeah, and, right? and it makes sense. If you're, if, you're Dan- if, you, if you're Kirkland, you probably are thinking that you have a limited amount of tread left on your football tires. Oh, yeah. Why not go and try to make some money playing football while you still can? Which to me is a totally sensible situation. It seems like Tennessee's and he's a smart and, and, kid, and Pruitt is is supportive of this. Um, and so if if that's the situation, and I think if you're, you know, we've been around coaching staffs long enough to know that they're always thinking about contingency plans yes. and having you know making sure that they're prepared if something goes wrong. Um, and and so I think that's probably why you saw Ignat with the twos because he's I think he was the Mike with the twos. Um, and I think the other part of that is, is Shannon Reed legitimately has had a decent spring. I you you he, were taking away my next point. I think he led the uh, first team defense in tackles today. He was popping up around the ball a lot. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna let Grant describe how Pruitt, what Pruitt labeled him after the game. He's kind of a runner and a hitter, <laughs> which are which important is, things in football. Hey, if if you're a linebacker <laughs> and, you need, and, and you need two skills, running and hitting are are probably as long near as the you top. Know of the list. where you're running and who you're hitting. And I think also and that's the th- that's the thing he said about Reed is that when he knows what he's doing, he's a you know pretty good player. It's also another important aspect of football. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because he because he said if not, you're just uh, what did he say about the defensive line? If if you don't have a motor, you're you might as well be driving down the street with your eyes closed. Well, no, no, he's like if you it's good to have a motor, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're driving down the street with your eyes closed. That's literally he basically said say. on the, no, we he, said it differently. He basically said on the defensive line, false. You need to know what you're looking for <laughs> in terms of scenarios, down and distance, telltales, offensive line stuff. Or, uh, or it's or, like what? Or you're driving down the street with your eyes closed. But you he, said, he basically said, made the same point. You there said if go. you don't have a motor, you're driving down the road with, with your eyes closed. And I said, no, that's not. He basically said what you need to have to succeed at defensive line is know what you're looking for and play your tail off. It, anyway, back, back, have the motor. back to Shannon Reed. You, I mean, you don't have to apologize. Let's well, just all agree that you're wrong. This pod has been like we're driving down the road with our eyes closed. <laughs> that's what every pod is this like. This segment especially. Um, do we have really segment? just since we turned to Shannon Reed? Do we, do we do we have then. segments? I mean, I don't know. We don't pivots. have we have pivots. We have pivots. But I, I do want to say about Shannon Reed, he has had a good spring. And I, I literally just said that. Fine, then I'll just I'll take this piece of paper here that has some of the points I'm going to make, and you just go ahead. You it's go right ahead. So easy. You go it's right ahead. Cut the tension. With it's the so easy. <laughs> and we are near the kitchen here since we're still in the sunroom. Uh, so. it, but yeah, I mean, we do I, have knives. Shannon Reed was like the first guy, the first day of practice. We went out there and we're like, who is this dude? And what did he do with Shannon Reed? Yeah. Like he looks. Did he eat Shannon Reed? <laughs> like he, he, he legitimately, um, in the past first two years of his career, this guy kind of looked like a safety playing linebacker. Basically. Yep. He's about six foot two fifteen, sub two twenty. And this spring, he finally now looks like the other linebackers in his group. Now, he's with some big dudes. Daniel Batuli's a big guy. You're going to look small next to Batuli. Ignat's a big guy. The Sort of the, the post-injury version of Darren Kirkland's a bit bigger in the upper body. Um, and, and Reed sort of looks like him now. And, and, and we've sort of heard in the past a little bit that, you know, he could be a good player if he knew more of what he was doing and was more comfortable with, with sort of the mental side of the game. And that's why I think Reed has been limited to pretty much a special teams player. I, I, there's a lot more complications in the special teams that I probably don't know about, but it seems pretty simple if you're on the kickoff team. You run down in your lane and go tackle the guy. Yeah, stay in your lane and hit people. Similar concept to the punt team where you're still in a lane. And so um, it's obviously, I would say it's safe to say it's much more complex to play defense. And and so I, I think if, if they can get him to do that, uh, and Pruitt talked about him sort of being a maybe a third down linebacker and, and maybe a sub-package linebacker that, that can play a, bit, a little bit better in space. And Frankly, he's one of the few guys they have that can do that because he's, you know, Batuli, uh, he's a guy that other teams can pick on and cover. We saw a little bit last year. He needs to stay in the phone booth. He was about half, you know, a step behind Dominic Wood Anderson a few times uh, yeah. on Saturday night. So 
He's a guy that's not the best in coverage. Will Agon has slimmed down, but I still don't think he's the best in space. Uh, we'll have to see what Henry Toa can do when he gets here, if he can sort of be a space guy. But but Reed can be a guy that you can play in some sub-packages against these teams to spread it out and, and maybe handle a little bit more of Basically. the responsibilities of playing in space. Basically a brand-new position, right? Yeah, because they, they, they went from playing him specifically kind of as the as the money linebacker to now they've got him as a Mac linebacker in some of those sub-packages. the terminology. Is that named after Mac Wilson? It might be, for all I know. I, I, I just don't they call it the Mac. Wilson, so I don't know. I, I mean, money named after. Take your pick. Get it? <laughs> Alabama money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. They do make a lot of it. The uh, When you look at Reed, that was the next point I was making, was that he his position has changed around. And this wasn't just a – he did lead all guys with nine tackles in that game. And I don't think he had any in the fourth quarter. So he had nine tackles like in the first three quarters. He was all over the place uh, for for the Orange defense. And this is a guy who – I don't think this is just a feel-good spring story. Uh, I think this is a guy who's going to be a contributor on this team. I think he's going to be a good player. Also, a couple other notes I made for the defense – um, I do think McCullough, Tank McCullough, uh, is a guy who hadn't picked off a ball all spring, apparently, and then picked off two today. So maybe he's a hashtag gamer. And he was tweeting uh, Friday night about, uh, like, it's crazy I'm going to get to play in Neyland tomorrow. He's got kind of that vibe about him that he could be a guy who's just a pretty good player and people are going to like him a lot. He's kind of, you know, he's a good kid, smart kid, all that stuff. I think people are going to like him. Uh, he And I don't know how much he's going to play this year because they've got some options back there, but hey. Uh, he, he comes across he had a when good you talk game. to him as an old soul, for sure. And, like, he, and, he, and, he, and you covered his... And like, he's, uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, perspective and maturity for a kid. Like, when I was his age, I was an idiot. Yeah, and if you're replacing... Still an idiot. Yeah, if you, if like, you're, you're still kind an idiot. of idiot. If you're replacing number 22, Mike Abernathy was an old soul, too. So maybe he just stepped right into that maybe role. Maybe that's the old soul jersey. It might be. It might be. But when you look at that, that was one of the notes I had. Another one was uh, with Kovar's couch, be patient, guys. Because when you watch him play, you see. I, I thought he looked pretty good tonight, actually. But 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 I, my point was that to be patient because he doesn't always know what he's doing yet. But when he does know what he's doing, he gets there pretty quickly, and he's pretty violent when he gets there, <laughs> which is which is a good combination of things to be. Uh, another note I made was that Aubrey Solomon needs to be eligible ASAP as possible. Uh, to quote Michael Scott, let's, they, not, let's not leave D'Angelo Gibbs out of that. Too. They need him there, and D'Angelo Gibbs, who again we you know didn't hear a lot um, about in the game. Interestingly, maybe because he was doing his job. Might be uh, the yeah the uh, he w- did play defense with Crouch. Um, you, you watch him in practice, and you don't you're not really like wild. You're like, okay, this dude looks huge, but then he stands he mo- next to Patuli. But then he moves around, and you're like, can he really play linebacker? Can he, you know, can he handle the change of direction? Uh, you know, can he stop and start and cut and do all those things? Is he? Because he's kind of, I don't say loose in the hips, but fluid. Yeah, you, you watch him kind of do drills next to some of these other guys, and he's maybe not as fluid, but he's he's rigid. At but times. but tonight, or you know, in the game, he mentioned you know he knifed in for one play and and laid the lumber in the backfield. Boy, he laid him out um, in the backfield. And, and if that was, he a, that was you, a good licking. He he's definitely a guy that you're like, I don't want to be hit by that guy. Yeah. Like I don't if he's running full speed at me, I don't I don't want any part of that. That's two hundred and thirty five pounds of muscle coming at and, you. And there was another play, I don't know if it was a, a design rollout, and I think it might have been uh, and I think it was Shroud that was kind of rolling to his right. And and Crouch was the guy that was assigned to him. I I don't know he might have busted the assignment there. But he closed Pretty quickly. Yeah, he did. He closed a lot quicker than having watched him in practice that I would thought he would have closed. Yeah. If that made sense. I don't no, know if no, I, I, don't no, know if I got does. all my words right It there. does. And there were a couple other newcomers we do need to mention before we get out of here. Actually, we might mention her a little bit about recruiting, but then before that, we will... Hashtag Cruton. We'll end with Cruton. And then... Uh, but before that, we need to mention a c- other couple of newcomers. Uh, with Brian Maurer, I, I, I mentioned incomplete some of his stats earlier because he did play for both teams. So let's see if I can do the math in my head. Overall, he was... Nine for 13 for 118 yards and zero touchdowns and two picks. And with Brian Maurer, it's funny because you heard people in the first quarter, oh, my gosh, this kid's going to be the – he's the next Joe Montana. I mean, people were all over this kid because he had – the first time he goes in the game is the first points in the game. And and that, that – But people – it was funny. He makes two good throws and people forget that he didn't get – he fumbled the first snap of his yeah orange and white game career, which is – it's funny uh, – Chris Winkie and, and, and Jim Chaney both brought this up that they that that Maurer told him when he got here he had never taken a snap under center in high school. 
and he Welcome goes under, to 2019. And he goes Kid, under kids these days. And he goes under center in the first snap of the spring game. It's almost a snap. Um, but you know, he, he makes two good throws after that, and and we had some people on our on our in our game thread that were like, "Should well, we start driving the train?" Here come, the 18 train is coming. But then, <laughs> and then it's know, like, and, and uh, this no. was this was the guy that we saw a lot in in spring camp during the practices that were open for reporters. We saw a kid who can make every single throw you could ever want a quarterback to make. He has the arm to do it. He can spin it. He throws a pretty ball. And he can throw some balls into tight spaces that are really impressive. Then, however, he also makes some throws. You go from, oh, my gosh, to, oh, my gosh. And he also, like a lot of other freshmen, the speed of the game at this level is a transition for people, even from Florida. It's different, and he made a couple throws that just had no business being thrown. The one to McCullough, he telegraphed from – the first one, he telegraphed from 10 miles away that he was going there. And even on one play where he made a nice pass over the middle for a first down on a third down and four or third down and five, somewhere around there, if he had just looked to his right and saw the safety valve, he could have thrown the ball over to Banks and he would have had 10 or 15 yards by walking. And those are little things that he just doesn't – see the entire field yet like a lot of freshmen are and I think that is something that you know you can see the talent which is good you can see why Tennessee wanted him but let's slow down people he 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 needs to he needs seasoning he needs time he got here for the for the spring which is good but let's just let's cool the heels on this he he was in high school like yesterday yeah and and I think he and Shroud are I don't want to say they're like carbon copies of each other there's a lot of similarities there. You're guys that were not really polished players in high school, but put up good numbers. Uh, and you watch them sometimes, and they'll make great throws. I mean, JT Stroud comes out and that Saturday, throw, that Saturday throw to Saturday Bird was the first beautiful. throw to Bird was. I mean, he could have dropped it in the bucket better. It was beautiful. And maybe, then, maybe the best throw of the day. And then you, there's other moments where you see their inexperience and you see their sort of uncertainty. Um, and, and there's going to be some growing pains there. But one of those guys is going to have to be the backup quarterback. I think at this point it would be Shrout. Um, I think we and, saw that from the game. Uh, and so, and both these guys can run a little bit if they get outside the pocket. They're not. Mauer was quicker than I thought. They're not going to be running. Um, like so, they're not going to be running zone read stuff, but they can keep plays alive. They can pull the ball down if they see open space and and get out of bounds and, and make something out of nothing. Uh, maybe not make something out of nothing like Dobbs did, but sometimes. Sometimes a five-yard scramble is a good play. Not going to see another Dobbs for a while. Uh, and like so, that. And so it's just, it's just about time and reps and developing with these guys. Um, you see a lot of reasons why people were excited about both of them. And it's just, it's just they're gonna, there's going to be times where their inexperience shows up and, um, and you're just going to have to deal with that until they get more comfortable and, uh, in terms of knowing the game and getting adjusted to the speed of the game and, and things like that. Any other news, news notes, anything like that from the game that we that we saw today? Anything that's not been mentioned? Any special teams? Anything uh, like JJ that? JJ Peterson didn't play. <coughs> that is correct. Um, the most improved players were Josh given P- those awards because they were the most improved players. <laughs> that was that was. A, you know what? That might be added into our GoVoss twenty four seven intro well, at some point. They were the most improved players. Why are they the most improved? Well, they were the most improved. You know that was a. a that was another classic Pruittism. Uh, but from the punting, we saw a lot of what we've seen from Joe Doyle before, consistently 40 yards, no I, return. I, 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 based on the night, Paxton Brooks would be my punter. That was – Joe Doyle is that. consistent, but You he, know what you're going to get. He's like very much in the 40 to 44-yard range. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of when the – Which is – Tennessee had another punter. His name's escaping me. And sometimes years a few years ago, who did that same thing? You knew you, you were get getting your, from thirty nine to forty three yards, but no return, which is good. A, 40, if, a, a, net, a net of forty is good. That's what that was my my point was going to be. If you're getting a fair catch every time, a forty yard net's not bad. But, but sometimes you know Tennessee. You know we've all been spoiled by by really good punters around here. Yeah, punter you. Brooks, Brooks only had two punts. One was an absolute missile that was down the line perfectly placed right into the corner, right into the coffin corner. Beautiful punt. The next one, not so good. He was low and flat and very returnable. But he had I one just, good punt and one kind of, nah, one. But Doyle, hey, Doyle, you got what you got. You got uh, seven, seven punts for about 39-yard average and very few returns. McDonald's is consistent, too. <laughs> and successful. And successful. And kind of meh, but successful <laughs> and consistent. That's true. And we did but, see we – did, we did, 
see some guys not named Marquez Callaway catch some some punts too and do some things. That was that was good I, to see Bryce some Thompson other guys might do that. Need to return kicks. Oh, he's he's special. But man. he might not need to return kicks because did you see the he second team need secondary him on defense? He's that <laughs> yeah. kid is just special though. When he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he has another gear. Yeah, I just once we got we we got spoiled by three years of Trevor Daniel bombs. Yeah, bring back the bombs. And Even then, if they're sprinkled in with some shanks, and then you know, give me the bombs. Pilardi became a great punter before Chicks that. Dig the long ball. You know, all the coal quits. I mean, Tennessee's just been punter you for a reason. Uh, but before we get out of here, we should mention. Should we talk about how the the Braves won on Saturday and the Cubs did not win on Saturday? I still have not seen a a, a replay of that check swing that was oh, called boy. at the he end swung. of the game. Here we go. I haven't seen. I mean, he might have. I honestly maybe I that, honestly maybe that it. it's the ref's fault. <laughs> Maybe that officiating crew is the college basketball refs version of umpires. You know, sometimes refs make calls or almost make calls, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, and when they're wrong, they should be mentioned as such. They're like anybody else in the game. We do need to mention some recruiting news. There were a ton, a ton of visitors uh, in for the game, a bunch of stuff going on there. We'll have a lot of that on the site. But to this point, as we're recording this at 12.18 a.m. on Sunday, that's 12.18 a.m. Eastern time, Tennessee, to this point that we know of, has just one commitment from uh, from the orange and white game. And Grant, the floor is yours. Jimmy Callaway, three-star athlete from Morrow, Georgia, committed Saturday night via Where in Georgia is the Morrow? Instagram machine. I have no idea. Uh, but, he, I mean, he's a guy that he said Tennessee's been talking to him for a couple of years, and it really picked up when Pruitt got here. So he's another guy that uh, passes the Pruitt test, even though his offer list doesn't really match up with an SEC school's uh, kind of offer list uh, four seven forty is what we have him at. Uh, you know he's not a big dude, five eleven one sixty six, and that's the list. He one. he mentioned slot or cornerback. I would I would assume more uh, a cornerback role for a guy that that big, depending on what they have at slot uh, by the time he gets here. But uh, I mean he's the number sixty overall athlete in the class. He's he kind of fits the mold uh, of the versatility that this staff looks for they want guys that can do a lot of different stuff and give them uh depth in a lot of different ways and yeah it, it, i mean it's a super super busy recruiting weekend uh i mean the biggest one justin rogers five-star lineman uh, he's a guy that seems like there's a ton of momentum with tennessee and him tate ratledge would be a huge get yeah kobe hudson tank bigsby uh bj ojalar i mean you go down the list it was a it was a really long list of guys and i would expect uh to hear from those guys Probably Sunday when the the uh, visits start to wrap up, and uh, who knows if if there's any more commitments kind of on the full uh, in the in the future. The the one with uh, Jimmy Callaway kind of took some people by surprise with the timing and and kind of how it happened. But when these but, guys when when these guys like a guy, he's usually pretty right, solid. Right, right, and 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 they have momentum with some of these other guys. So so we'll see what happens. Uh, Cooper May's back on campus for like the third time in a month. Uh, obviously not a. Very far trip for him to make, but there's momentum there. So, uh, yeah, it's a huge weekend, and, and we'll kind of see what the reaction is as these guys start kind of making their way out of town. And we'll, we will have, uh, obviously, at least one football podcast next week, and we will have much more recruiting news to Wait, discuss there. We will? At least one. I'm just kidding. Go on. At least one. And I did just look it up since y'all are lazy. Morrow, Georgia, is south of Atlanta. Looks like it's about in between – kind of somewhere between College Park and Jonesboro, so it's not quite as south as Jonesboro. You just go down I-75. How does it relate to Tifton, Georgia? Uh, It's not anywhere near (laughs) Tifton, Georgia. (laughs) Like, I mean, not even... It's unfortunate. The conference center of the southeast or whatever whatever it is. Didn't we record a podcast there one time? I think we did, actually. No, that was Atlanta after the Georgia Tech game. That was suburban Atlanta. I thought we recorded one in Tifton one night Uh, after one of the games. I wasn't there. Oh. Probably was a better podcast then. But in general, we will have um, at least one podcast next week. And I have a, a, a sneaking suspicion here, fellas, sneaking suspicion that we're going to have at least uh, at least one maybe other probably bit of recruiting news there. So uh, Tennessee's probably going to get something out of that. We will see. We've got a ton of coverage on, on GoVols247.com from all that. And before I turn this music on, fellas, anything else? Nothing. I'm going home to go to bed. Don't you? You got a you got a busy Sunday, don't you? Go to Lowe's, Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if we'll have enough time. Apparently, the weather's going to be pretty bad that you might not want to be doing much of anything. So, looks like some nasty storms are coming through Knoxville. I got the early start for the Masters. That's true. Eight thirty a.m. Eastern. The guys teeing off. I don't know if y'all heard, but Tiger Woods in contention. Yeah, just a couple shots behind Molinari, who's doing fantastic. Any any predictions on the Masters Sunday? 
I want to see Tiger win it. Let's let's do it. Somebody will hit golf balls. Will they mash them like you do? Probably not. If you've never seen Grant Ramey's golf swing, fellas, it is no thought, just grip it, rip it. Yeah, but he tires tires out quickly, though. I'm a runner and a hitter. (laughs) He's a runner and a hitter. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, uh, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey, because he is not a team player, is just twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. I love me some me. Ryan Callahan. Don't even mention Ryan, because he's not here. Well, if you want to find Ryan Callahan, the hockey player, you can go find him on Twitter. If you want to find the one that's ours, Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can find all of us on twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash govals 24-7. We do a lot of work there. We're constantly updating that page, constantly you know, renovating it and doing different things there, putting new videos up, all kinds of things. So go check that out as well. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, go to GoVols247.com. We got a lot of good packages out there right now. 30% off on some annual memberships. Got a lot of good stuff there. If you if you want to see some free stuff, you can see that. Or if you want to go uh, pay for the VIP package, if you want to go to the champagne room, we will allow you to do that. And if did you mention the discount? Oh, I think I just did part of it, right? Did you? Did you mention 30% off? That's what I just thought. 30% there off. There you go. Just double annual. checking. Were you not and, even, re- and, and reiterating. Were you, you weren't even listening to the end of this nope, podcast? Nope, I was not listening to you at all. This is the part where you ramble. And then you ask me if I have anything to add. And by ramble, you mean me helping you promote your brand by telling everyone what your Twitter account is? Squeak Toy. Yes. Squeak Toy. Any final thoughts, fellas? 30% off. <laughs>